0: grateful for grace that is greater than all the sins that you and I uh, could have. This morning, if you have your Bibles, if you'll find your way to the book of Romans, Romans chapter number 5, last few weeks we've been looking at uh, a series of terms, terminology I guess you could say, within the doctrines of uh of our church, of the, the Baptist faith, and and some words that maybe we don't really understand uh, to its fullest. And uh, we looked at uh, justification a couple of weeks ago and uh, perpetuation uh, last week. And, and then today, we're going to look at reconciliation. Reconciliation, in the Greek, there are three primary words, uh, that are used for reconcile or in consideration of reconciliation. The chief one uh, that is used in the New Testament uh, is a word that literally means to change completely. To change completely. So when you reconcile two people, you are changing their complete orientation of how they are. When they are were uh, far apart from each other, they're separated, and you have changed them completely so that they now are friends again. In the Bible, whenever you find the word reconcile or reconciliation, it is always implying at least two things. One, it implies that reconciliation between people, nations, a race, group, or individuals and God. It always involves first the removal of that which has caused this enmity between them to begin with. So reconciliation is impossible until you deal with the problem that caused the separation to start with. It has forced people apart and has forced a wedge between them. Reconciliation is impossible without dealing with the sin, without dealing with the failure that divides us and pushes us apart. The next thing that it always implies is that reconciliation involves the restoration of a relationship or a friendship and conciliation. So whenever we see this word, uh, whether it's between people, And people, or people and God, it always involves the removal of the problem and the restoration of the friendship. Dr. Lewis Schaefer, who was a, um, I'm not sure if he was a founding member or if he was actually, I I knew he was vice president or president of Dallas Theological Seminary. But he discusses reconciliation between man and God, and he liked to explain it this way, and I want to read an expert, uh, excerpt rather, from uh, something that he had written. He said that in the beginning, in the Garden of Eden, God and man were close. There was nothing between them. They had a close personal relationship. Nothing could come between them at all. What happened in the Garden of Eden was, was what happened when Adam and Eve sinned. They chose to step away from God. And they took a step away from a close, intimate fellowship. And when man turned away from God, God turned away from man. God cannot have a relationship with man where there is sin in between. So when man turned away, then God turned away. But then, Dr. Schaeffer goes on to say, something else happened. Thousands of years later, when there was a baby boy that was born in a place called Bethlehem, what happened then, God turned back toward man again. Reconciliation came through Christ. God in Christ has reconciled the world. And so in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, it says that all this from God who has reconciled us. To him through Christ, he gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting men's sins against them. And as he committed to us the message of reconciliation, we are therefore God's ambassadors as through God or as though God were making this appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. And so it is with that background uh, this morning that we find in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 that says God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. That is the situation that we have in the world today. That God in Christ reconciles the world. He's turned his back toward man. Man is still turned away from God. And it's in that situation that people find themselves... uh, That that they have this division between them and God. And God has done all that is necessary to establish that relationship with man. There has to be a belief of what Jesus Christ has done. And when a person says, I believe that Jesus died on the cross for me. Then and only then can man finally be reconciled to God. God's turned his back towards men, but the situation of the world today is one of being turned away from God. Someone asked the question one time if God seems so far away, who moved? It wasn't God, it was us. Romans chapter 5, look at it with me. Romans chapter 5, we'll begin reading in verse number 9. Let's back up to verse 8. I think verse 8 is a very um, good verse for us. If we don't have it memorized, perhaps we should. But God commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than being now justified by his blood we shall be saved from wrath through him. Verse 10, For if when we were enemies we were reconciled to God by the death of his Son, much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. And not only so, but we also joy in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom we have now received the atonement. Let's pray. Father, we're so thankful, God. That a way has been provided. Lord, that reconciliation is available to to take down or tear down any barriers there are between us and you. Lord, we're so thankful this morning for the cross. Lord, all that it signifies, all that it shows, and the great love that it bore for the sins of man. Lord, as we look at your word this morning, I pray that you would hide me behind that precious cross. That these dear folk not see me, God, but that they would see you. Open our spiritual ears that we may hear the word that you would have us to hear this morning. And God, may we turn to you. Those that are lost, we pray that you convict their heart, that they be saved before it's eternally too late. Father, for whatever you do. We'll be careful to give you all the praise and the honor and the glory. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. What is our problem uh, in this life? Well, it's very simple uh, that we have this sinfulness about us. And and notice that what Paul said in Romans there in verse 8. But God commended his love toward us in that yet while we were sinners. Christ died for us. Sin is the great divider. It is the great divider between us and God. It is a great divider between us and fellow men. It's the great divider that comes in between a lot of families. That's sin. I'm sure you've all uh, seen those uh, little charts. In a, there's a little booklet, uh, The Navigator, and it puts a uh, Man on on one side of a cliff and it's got God on the other side. And in between that great gap there, uh, that, that chasm, that whole pit area caused by sin. In Isaiah chapter 59, it says that your sin has separated you from God. That's why we are all apart from Jesus Christ. We are all on one side and God is on the other and sin has separated us from God. And this is what happened in the beginning. This is what happened way back in Genesis when Adam and Eve walked and communed with God. Can you imagine that for a moment? A perfect place, Eden, right? Garden of Eden. Temperature just right. You know, no one fighting over the thermostat. Uh, everything was great. You got rain when you needed rain. You didn't get rain when you didn't need the rain. It was perfect. And just being able to fellowship with God every day. The Bible says that they walked every day in the garden and communed one with another. What a great day that must have been, right? But then something happened there was some trickery that came along, Satan came along and, and he pulled his conniving evil ways and what happened? Sin entered the picture. And I know there's some that say, well, had Eve not done this and, you know, to be quite honest, man and female, they're both equally guilty, right? They're both equally guilty. No one is at fault any more than the other because what did Adam do? Adam knew not to, but he still did it, right? Equally sinful. So that sin came in and it separated them from God. The Bible says that they realized suddenly there was a change. You can go back to Genesis and find this. That their eyes were open and they could perceive what was good and what was evil. And They realized that they were naked because sin had entered into that relationship and they were ashamed and they went and hid themselves. How often do we try to hide ourselves from God? It's like we try to pull the covers over hoping that, that uh, no one will find out, that, no, that God will not see what we've done or whatever the case may be. always get a chuckle, I guess you could say, when uh, you watch a horror movie. And, and uh, they'll be, of course, you know it's always at night uh, when the bad things happen. But they'll always go to the bedroom and, and throw sheets over their head like they're really hiding from whatever it is that's after them, right? But we do that same thing with God. We try to hide under these covers and expect God not to know. And we know the story where God came for his daily walk with Adam. And he cried out, Adam, where are you? And there was no answer. Didn't God know where Adam was? God knew exactly where Adam was. And he called out to Adam because he wanted Adam to know where he was. Dear friend, that's the same thing for you and I this morning. We can try to hide and we can try to uh, go into the bushes and, 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 and hope that no one finds out, you know. And yet God is constantly calling out to you. Not because he doesn't know, but he wants you to know where he is. Sin always divides and the first division is always between man and God. God asked Adam, what had you done? And what was Adam's answer? He said, the woman that you gave me gave me this fruit. And he tried to lay it off and ultimately blamed her and God. And sin caused that first separation. He drove them out of that garden, never to be entered into again. You fast forward to Genesis chapter nine, and I'll keep this brief because I know we we got good food waiting for us, right? Uh, I probably should make this two messages, but nonetheless, Genesis nine, we we find the strange story of Noah. You remember this? Noah and his drunkenness. Remember Sham and and Rapheth, who they they took uh, into their father's nakedness, and, and Ham did, and and a curse came down upon them. Sin once again entered. All the races, all the people of the world, come racial antagonism that we have today, ethnic hatred that we have today, ethnic strife that we have today. You can see it in Chicago, you can see it in Memphis, you can see it in Haiti, in Bosnia, all these other places. And it all goes back to Genesis chapter 9. Genesis chapter 11. You'll remember they wanted to build this great big tower They wanted to show how great and how powerful they were. And so they began, they all at this time spoke one language, right? So they began to form this tower that they was going to build. And it was going to stretch all the way into the heavens. Isn't it interesting how God always deals with things like that? Here these people are, they all speaking one language, they all knowing each other, they know what everyone is saying, and they build, and they build, and they build, and they get so high, perhaps in the nosebleed section, right? And they're shouting down to those on the ground to bring material up, but the ones down here can't understand what the ones up there are saying. It's a different language. It's the beginning of this whole national antagonism, this international strife which continues to this very day. That's how we got all of our languages. And all of this started, how? With the separation between man and God. And that went into a separation between man and woman. And that went into separation between brother and brother. A separation between man and and his creation, a separation between the races and ethnic groups and ultimately between all the nations of the earth because of one sin. What am I saying this morning is that whenever sin comes in, it never brings people together. It only forces them apart. That's what sin does. And then we come to the story of Jesus Christ over in the New Testament, who was the great uniter. He was a, a radical individual. He was very radical for his day. If sin was a divider, then Christ is the uniter. And we come across these centuries of, of uh, this child born in Bethlehem. We know the story. Who lived a sinless life? And you read of the life of Christ and you know that the only people Jesus ever condemned was who? The religious hypocrites. That's the only ones. You can read all the gospels, all the stories that point to Christ. You will never once find him hating or or condemning someone because of their racial skin, their ethnicity, their their status in life, you'll only find him condemning the religious hypocrites. Those who claim the name of God to push their hatred and their agenda. What kind of people did Jesus choose for his followers? It wasn't, and I'm not against education, don't misunderstand me this morning, but it wasn't the philosophical doctors of the church. It wasn't those that held advanced graduate degrees. It wasn't those who who held great titles within the corporate uh, uh, stance of their day. No, it was the fishermen. It was the farmers. It was... the the political zealots. It was the tax collectors of all people, right? In fact, the Bible says that Jesus hung out with the drunkards and the prostitutes and the tax collectors and so much and that they called him a, a glutton, a drunkard associating with that kind of people that he felt so comfortable with. Jesus is the only one who can bring People together. What did our Lord that said that I must go through Samaria? Remember that whole story where the Samaritans were um, a, a hated half breed type people, the Jews couldn't stand the Samaritans, the Samaritans couldn't stand the Jews. And the Jews would do anything to avoid going through Samaria. But Jesus said, I must go through Samaria. And establishing that he is the one who could also bring the races together, the ethnic groups together, the nations together. Will we understand, will we ever understand the answer to the deepest problems that we have in our world today? It's not to be found in Washington. I can guarantee you that. It's not within the Republican Party, it's not within the Democrat Party, it's not with the independents, it's not with the generally confused, it's not with any of those people up there. The answer is not found within even the church as far as ministers. We're not the answer that we need. The answer is with Jesus Christ alone, who came 2,000 years ago not to separate the people, but to bring them back to God, to bring the people who have been separated by the sin back to his Father. The Bible says that God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, that he has given us the message and the ministry of reconciliation, that the followers of Jesus Christ are the people who bring this reconciliation to the world. And in such a fragmented, bleeding, dying, hate-filled world, we are the messengers of this. We are to take this message out of this place, beyond the, the four walls of this church, and take it into the streets. We are to take it to the rich and to the poor. We are to take it to those who will listen. We are to take it to those who will not listen, to those who will want to hear it, to those who don't necessarily want to hear it. We are to go out there and tell them that there is a better way, that we don't have to hate each other we don't have to kill each other we, we don't have to call each other names that there is a better way and it has to start dear friend with you and with me it has to start in the most personal areas of our life it's not enough just to come to church every Sunday and, and say we believe these things we stand with the preacher on this We must go out, and we must be the agents of reconciliation in such a hurting world. That's why Jesus said, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. Why? Because in a hurting, war-torn, evil, fractured, divided world, the message that can bring people back together again. It's not about politics. It's not about a name above a door, but it's about Jesus Christ. And it's about the reconciliation through Him. This morning, I don't think that it is enough, and I'm about to, to close and for me to preach this message. This is a message that I had to take to heart as well. Um I think we need to make it more personal than just hearing what a preacher has to say. I think we need to be serious about it, especially in our day and time. As you see the news, I've gotten to where I don't even want to watch the news anymore. It's so bad. You know, you see all these people and all these things. And, and, uh, you know, all we can say is, Lord, help. Lord, help. I've caught myself many times this week um, saying the phrase of that song, Even so, Lord Jesus, come. Even so. Maybe there's some changes this morning that you need to make in your own life. Think about these changes. Maybe you need some reconciliation in your own heart. Maybe it's a racial reconciliation. Maybe you've had hatred. Maybe it's a marital reconciliation. There are a lot of families this morning who are just tittering on the break of marriage of divorce. Their families are in shambles. Some are good families. There's so much anger. There's been so much sin, so much division, so much separation sometimes it seems there's no other way perhaps it's in your own family your relationship with your loved ones is it what it ought to be maybe it's in your neighborhood maybe some of your own neighbors what have you done to bring people together in the name of christ maybe it's at your work maybe it's at your school your teachers fellow classmates About other Christians, maybe because they see things differently. I think sometimes we're all guilty of that, aren't we? Uh, Just because they don't see it my way that they're not right, right? Maybe there's a relationship that's broken in your life this morning. Could I encourage you to say, Lord Jesus, come... Thank you for dying on the cross for me that I believe that that is enough. Help me to reconcile the sins that reconcile the differences that I have with others. I urge you this morning to do that. You know, we can never be the church that we're called to be if there's sin in our lives. And we need to get rid of that. We need to reconcile ourselves to God. Reconcile the church to God. Reconcile ourselves to others. And I trust that you do that this morning. If you're able to stand, I would invite you to do so as we extend a hymn of invitation. This is your opportunity to do business with God. Perhaps it is a time where you need to seek forgiveness. Maybe from God. Maybe you need to pray for others. Whatever the case may be, will you come as we sing?